Hello and welcome to yet another new episode of Balls and Whistles, a Highland News and Media Sports podcast where I, Andrew Henderson, and sports editor Will Clark talk about everything that's been going on in sport in the Highlands this week. Will, how are you doing? Well, Hendo, I've got a bone to pick with you in your attempt to form a Breakaway Super podcast with Federica Stefani from Health and Liftness and John Davidson from Active Outdoors. I'm just appalled by your actions, to be honest. Well, the thing is, we just want to consolidate it so that we are safeguarding the future of all of our podcasts by making sure that nobody else can ever become a part of them. But did you take time to consult the dozens of fans that listen to us? We consulted absolutely nobody, and that's the way we like it. And what about the rest of us? I mean, poor Andy Dixon. You know how delicate and fragile he is. He ended up crying into the muscles of Steve Walsh. The thing is, as long as we can make sure that things are brilliant for us at the top of the podcast pyramid, that sort of success and quality will eventually trickle down. So the likes of yourself and Andy will still manage to benefit from this long term, as long as you just let us go and do whatever we want, whenever we want. Well, at least uh, Federica apologised to the fans for our actions. I've heard nothing from you as of yet. I still think it's a viable option. Well, let's just see how the next 40 minute pans out eh? and then you can make your decision after that. Yeah, th- this is the thing. We're not even going to be talking about the copycat football breakaway league that I hope we're not going to talk about it. That's just going to open up a huge can of worms if we do. <laughs> can we make a rule? Uh, absolutely no talk about this European Super League. The worst idea since football was invented. The only way we'll talk about it from here on out is if Ross County, Cali Thistle or any other team in this area actually does get invited to something like that. But we've got plenty to talk about in the meantime with playoffs. Yeah. And playoffs at all levels as well. This week, Ross County have slipped back into the Premiership relegation playoff place. Cali Thistle are still trying, although they had a slightly disappointing result on Tuesday, to get into the promotion playoffs and the championship Elgin City are pretty much in the same boat in League Two, and Brewer Rangers don't even know if their playoff match against Kelly Hearts is going to take place. So it's going to be one of those episodes. There's a lot of football, there's a lot of playoff talk. That's just the time of the year we're in right now. Let's start with Ross County, I think, because it was a particularly big blow for them with the way the other results went on Wednesday night as well. They started okay against St Mirren, they took the lead through Jordan White, and unlike they've done in the last few weeks, they actually managed to hold on to it. And so out about half an hour to the end of the first half, with the advantage, it all turned around in the second half, though. It was a poor couple of goals for them to concede. One from Lee Irwin's header, and another from Ilke Dermis's first-time finish after a counter-attack. And then, of course, it's Ross County, so they conceded a penalty towards the end. Weren't too many complaints about this one, but coupled with Kilmarnock's 3-0 win over Dundee United, County are down to 11th. It's a huge blow. It's not looking good for them right now in terms of survival, is it? I saw the highlights last night. To be fair, Lee Irwin's goal was absolutely superb. I don't think yeah, many goalkeepers could have stopped that header going in. But yeah, really disappointing. I thought it was a game where Ross County could have at least got a point out of. But it was the same thing that's just defined the first half of the campaign when they concede a goal. Heads go down, one goes in, two goes in, three goes in. And I thought John Hughes had done enough to eliminate that during the start of his reign, but it's kind of crept back in now, isn't it? Yeah, we've seen it the last couple of games. I mean, the obvious ones are Cali Thistle in the Cup. They went 1-0 up, immediately conceded again. 
And the same down at Kilmarnock, you at that one, saying the same sort of thing happened. Granted, they fought back from the early goal, but they just couldn't capitalise and kick on again from that. And they end up letting another one in. It's worrying. It's really worrying for them right now because there's only three games left. These sorts of mistakes. It's not like they've got months to work on them and become a new team by the end of the season. This is the end of the season and these issues are still there. Momentum's against them and momentum's everything in late April as we are now. And they're not playing Kilmarnock again, so they, it's not like it's in their own hands anymore. They're going to have to rely on results elsewhere. They're still three points ahead of Hamilton Academical, but despite being three points ahead of Hamilton, Hamilton have a better goal difference of uh, four goals. So that's going to be a massive game. It's so far in the future now, eh? It's, am- <laughs> it's amazing how many days there are before Ross County's next game. When this comes out on Friday, I think it'll be eight days until they play Dundee United, and then 12 days until they play Hamilton Aggies. But they've got it sorted quick because there's only three games left. I still think they're a better team than Hamilton. I think Hamilton are bottom of the table for a reason, but I always thought Kilmarnock were always going to be in a good position to maybe leapfrog uh, Ross County, especially with a player like Kyle Lafferty. And that's come to fruition now. He's scored his hat-trick against Dungeon United. 3-0 was kind on Dungeon United when I saw the highlights on Wednesday night. I don't know, maybe, maybe Dungeon United getting beaten 3-0 by Kilmarnock will give Ross County hope they can get three points at Tanadice and then hopefully at least avoid automatic relegation by the time they face Hamilton Academical. But yeah, it's a concern the way heads just went down uh, on Wednesday night at Dingwall because they had the lead and they just didn't seem to defend it because St Mirren 3-1 didn't flatter them. They hurt the woodwork as well. I mean, you saw the whole game. I only saw the highlights. Did Ross County really threaten in the second half? Not in the second half, really not in the second half. But that was the real disappointing thing, I think, because at the end of the first half, it was Kenty who looked the better team and looked like they were creating more chances. Jordan Tilson had one right just on 45 minutes that forced a, a fantastic save out of Jack Anik. And if that had gone in, it could have been a totally different game, but it didn't. It was only 1-0 at the interval. And that's the thing, County tend not to get a result right now when they're only scoring one goal. They need two, they need three, or they need four because they're conceding so many at the back. You mentioned the amount of time between games. That is possibly the most worrying thing, in my opinion, that they're having time to work on these things on the training pitch right now. Maybe it's not doing them any favours in terms of losing momentum, but tactically, they should be on it. They've got the opportunity to go and drill these sorts of things every single day and have a full week, if not more than that, to prepare and make sure that they're on it and know where the threats are coming from and know where they should be when the ball gets out to various different positions. And yes, you're right, it was a very well-taken goal for St Mirren's first one, Lee Irwin's. But from County's point of view, he had far too much space in the box and the cross should never have been allowed to come in that easily. So they will still be disappointed with it. There's still issues there that they have to address. And John Hughes was fully aware of that after the match and knows that things are going to have to be different going forward. For me, it's no great goals. You know, that's not taking nothing away from St Mon. You know, they're self-inflicted. Uh, and every time you're saying that, everybody goes, oh, it must be... You no, know, it's from the front as well. They've got the, That's your first line of defence. So it's all that kind of fundamental stuff that we have to be better at. But we've been saying that all season. The thing about it, there's no point in talking about it, coaching it. You need to do it on the pitch. 
and it might be a wee bit of uh, game knowledge, a wee bit of experience, the do's and the don'ts of football, or the craftiness, and knowing where to be. That anticipation of where the ball's falling, and then it's just these wee things that we're, we're no great at. In terms of effort commitment, never ever in question. In terms of them being a right good, honest, hard-working bunch of boys, great. It's the first thing I do when I go into a football club. I separate the person for the footballer, and every one of them are great lads. Really, really smashing boys. Maybe that might be a wee problem. Maybe I need three or four rogues in my team. But when they go on that pitch, they're streetwise and they know how to see the game out. Um, and I think I've got that in terms of uh, in the first half. But the problem is, it's that experience, and as the game's going on, you see, you know, the distances and all that starting. To, and that's when we have to get the fresh, fresh legs on. Every, I felt when we done the substitutes, I felt they gave us that freshness, put us, but kind of keep that back door shut. So. That's, so that's going to have to change for the last three games. It was the same against Inverness, it's the same against uh, Kilmarnock. Someone has to change. We have to keep that back door shut. The thing is, as I think, John, you said to some of our colleagues, I think it was at the BBC after the game, he's tried pretty much everything. He's tried three or four different formations. He's tried putting as much experience into the team as he could. He's tried bringing in new players. What else can he do? What other options are left to him for the last three games of the season. What do you make his, of his defensive options? Leo Hilde, yes, he's from Celtic and uh, he's on loan and he, they have to use him, but he just looks a bit inexperienced for me, um, given his age. Yeah, I mean, don't, three or four years' time, he might be a decent talent, but is there not better options perhaps he could have put in the back? I know Carl Tremarco wasn't available uh, I take it he illegal uh, played left back on Wednesday night. Yeah. You know, who else? I, I suppose I was looking at the subs bench. Was there? There wasn't really that many defensive options available. Maybe Charlie Larkin left. I don't know. He's done it before. I think he filled in there maybe one or two games. I want to say February after Josh Reed left. But Larkin's certainly more comfortable further up the pitch, and it would be a very attacking option to have at fullback when that doesn't really seem to be County's issue. They do score goals, it's just they concede more. And looking at that substitutes bench, um, it was very midfield heavy, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, Harry Payton, Blair Spittle, Stephen Kelly, Charles Cook. You know, m- maybe that, they're just a victim of maybe their transfer policy. They didn't go big enough uh, at the back. It's tough to see how they can turn it around. Hopefully they can turn it around. One thing that might be in their favour is two of the three games left are against Dungeon United and Motherwell, who are safe from relegation. I suppose the higher you are, the more money you get. But now, now that they've ensured they're going to be in the Premiership next uh, season anyway, it might have an impact on how they play. But this, when we first launched this podcast, I said if Ross County finished 11th, they'd be doing well. I still think they'll finish 11th. I think they're a better team in Hamilton. Hamilton are losing games at home for a reason. We'll see what Ross County now, but I saw enough at Kilmarnock to suggest there is still enough quality to stay up. But I think Kilmarnock are going to kick in now, especially with a marquee player like Kyle Lafferty. What a great signing that was. Yeah, I, I reckon Ross County will probably have to do, win a playoff to stay up, but they should be good enough to at least see off Hamilton. I should probably caveat what you're saying about the defence there by 
just reminding people, they have been hit with injuries at the back as well. Connor Randall's been out for the last few months. Callum Morris is missing the end of the season. Carl Tremarco, as you say, was out injured and has missed chunks throughout the campaign. It hasn't been particularly easy for them all the time. If they had all those guys fit, then maybe they'd have had a bit more flexibility to play specific formations against specific teams and maybe been forced into some stuff or even just to rest people from maybe out of form and give other guys a chance that said it still hasn't been good enough Hamilton still got Ross County and Kilmarnock to play if County beat Hamilton realistically Hamilton are relegated and regardless of what they do in the other two games it's all down to one match for County I kind of agree with you even though there's only two points between them and Kilmarnock, I don't really see Kilmarnock falling back down into 11th. So if we're working on that realistically, the best count you can hope for is the playoff. All their eggs have to be in that basket because Hamilton probably aren't going to get seven points out of their last three games. And they're probably not going to get six points out of their last three games, just the way the form table is. So if County can beat them, that should be enough to get them that playoff spot and save them from automatic relegation. I suppose the question then becomes, what happens in the playoff? Can County still stay up? Who are they going to be against? And this leads us into a little bit of Cali Thistle stuff as well, because it's still anybody's game in the championship. Yeah. Oh, it was so frustrating uh, watching Cali Thistle on Tuesday night. Um, they're in a very difficult position now, in my opinion. Against Dundee, they were a better team until uh, Scott Allardyce was sent off. But it was a very nervy performance by both teams, I would say. I think they both knew what was at stake and it kind of affected the way they played. But Inverness were the only team that were creating the chances up until Scott Allardyce were sent off. Dundee were nothing special. Daniel Mackay, Shade Sutherland, they both had great chances to give Inverness the lead in the first half. Robbie Dees somehow was one-on-one with the goalkeeper. I don't know what he was doing that far up front. And then just the second half was absolutely crazy. Um, Scott Allardyce was sent off for a challenge in Charlie Adam, which uh, Neil McCann was adamant wasn't a sending off. He was the same opinion of Brad Mackay. They both certainly went in hard, but Neil McCann insists they both won the ball. I haven't seen any highlights. I only just saw what I saw on the pitch that night. So I can't really give an honest opinion on whether they deserve to be sent off or didn't deserve to be sent off. That'll be a decision for the appeals panel, which will probably make their decision tonight, which uh, Neil McCann isn't too happy about. It's not giving him enough time to prepare for the game against Hearts uh, tomorrow. But uh, just looking at the championship table again, do I think Cali Fissel could beat Hearts tomorrow? Yeah, I do. I think they've got the quality to do it. They've certainly shown that they can beat teams in the top four. But the worry for me is, who's going to slip up? Dunfermline, they've got Arbroath at home. Don't rule out Arbroath. They absolutely hammered Air United for nothing. Um, They're a very good team. They could easily take a point uh, off Dunfermline on Saturday. Maybe even beat uh, Dunfermline. I wouldn't rule that out. But we've done firm with home advantage and then they've got bottom of the table Aloha Athletic who are now relegated you've got to wonder their mindset do they really care about the final day of the season and looking to life in League One Dundee they're, they're catchable as well they've got Rafe Rovers on Saturday and Rafe Rovers are a very good team and more than capable of winning at Dens Park and then they've got to go to Queen of the South but it, it's, it's just so frustrating because Cali Fizzle have been playing so well 
but it's out of their hands now. And just looking at the fixtures, it just concerns me. Dunfermline won't slip up. Dundee, I can see them losing to Rafe Rovers, but would they manage to get a result at the Queen of the South? That would also require Cali Fissel to win both their games. It, it, it's not impossible, but it's hard. It's suddenly become quite tough for them. I, I think mathematically they need a minimum of like four points, really. Realistically, they probably need to win both games to give themselves a shot. Dunfermline are still the one I think are most likely to drop out just because we know our both are a good team. They maybe haven't got all the results they would have liked, but I think they're still battling the relegation playoff spot themselves. So there's still something on the line for them. Aloha, again, results haven't gone their way. They're obviously getting relegated and Peter Grant is leaving in the summer, but they're a good team. They've taken points off Cali Thistle over the last couple of years. Let's say they got a couple of good results against the Dunfermlands, the Race and the Hearts earlier this season as well. So they're absolutely capable. We don't know, basically. It's anybody's game. It could be any combination, any three of the four teams in the playoff mix that actually end up getting there. The one thing I would say, and I've been saying this to people over the last week or two, I think, if Cali Thistle get into the playoffs, I think they've got a really good chance of going all the way. It's just a case of getting in there in the first place. Yeah. The problem, if Scott Arlardice and Brad McKay's appeals aren't successful, they're going to have to make significant changes to what has been quite a steady first team. Neil McCann wasn't giving anything away, but one of the highlights for me of their defence in recent weeks has been the performances of the fullbacks of Robbie Dees at left back and David Carson at right back. With Brad Mackay suspended, if his appeal isn't successful, who's going to play at centre back? You would imagine Robbie Dees would have to go back into central defence with Danny Devine and maybe bring in Cameron Harper back at left back or maybe Kevin McCarty, he's back in subs bench. I'd be really reluctant to change the fullbacks. If I could put someone else in at central back, I would, just because Dees and Carson have been so effective at fullback. I'd definitely keep Carson at right back anyway and maybe look for a, a, a James Vincent maybe to um, replace Allardyce in central midfield. But it's going to be really difficult at Tynecastle on Saturday. Mind you, Hearts haven't been fantastic. Are they D-mob happy already? I think they're lifting the trophy that day, so... It might be party mode. At the end of the day, when they look back, are they going to care how many points they've won the championship by? No, all they're going to care is we're back in the premiership. With the way Hearts are playing, even if they weren't in the position they are, I'd still fancy Cali Fissel to beat them on Saturday. It's just the fact that it's not in their hands. That's the big issue. It's just such a, a drastic turnaround, even though it's only really been one game from the situation a week ago. It's only a couple of points difference, but it's made all the difference with only two games left. So Calithus will have every chance of getting a result at Tyne Castle. They really do. It just might not matter anymore. <laughs> the turnaround they've made has been fantastic, but you don't deserve anything. You've got to perform across the entire season. And that period of one win in 13 games, well, it hasn't killed them. I was going to say it's killed them, but it's not killed them yet. They're still within a chance of making the playoffs. But it was such a mountain to climb. They might scale it yet, they might get to the summit, but it'll take something special, I reckon. It almost feels like we're quite doom and gloom suddenly on Cali Thistle and saying it's unlikely they're going to make the playoffs. We could well be doing this podcast next week, ahead of the last game of the season, and Cali Thistle are back in the driving seat and they're already back up to fourth. 
it's a very real possibility. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens there. And other people who are going to have to wait and see still, unbelievably, are Brewer Rangers, who were supposed to be playing their first leg of the Pyramid Playoff semi-final this weekend. And we still don't know if or when that's going to happen. An absolute far sender. We have a newspaper that comes out on a Tuesday, and I was waiting until the very last second for the SPFL to announce their decision if Brora and Kelty were eligible for promotion, which I still don't understand why it was a matter for debate. The SPFL have still not announced if the playoffs for League Two are going ahead. It's just darn right disrespectful. You've got two teams that have followed the rules by the book. Granted, the seasons have been concluded early, but they've done nothing wrong. They've been put forward as champions. And what does it say about the SPFL's attitude to the pyramid system now? And now Breakin City... (laughs) Do you want to take a minute, Will? Just gather your thoughts, take a breath. If their league reconstruction was kind of dismissed as an afterthought by everyone last season... All of a sudden, Brecon City are saying, well, hold on a second, it's not fair on us if we finish bottom given the way this season has panned out. The fairest way is league reconstruction. Let's promote Broder Rangers. Let's promote Kelty Hearts. But don't relegate us because that wouldn't be fair. I'm sorry, it was agreed to play 22 games. So that means the competition will be played to a finish. Therefore, if the competition is played to a finish, there should be playoffs for the bottom team. Now, it's an unfortunate situation, but you can't deny Brora or Kelty the chance to go up. Because let's face it, clubs are going to look at league reconstruction and increasing the teams to to 12, and they're going to say no. The best chance to do that was last season. The right time to do it was last season. But the clubs threw it out. So they're certainly not going to agree to it this season. And then Brecon City are saying, oh, we're going to challenge the decision to make us play a playoff. It's just bad manners. To be fair, I don't know what the SPFL stance on this is, because as you say, they haven't released a statement as we're recording this episode. But I don't know if there's much sympathy with Breakins from other clubs, either in League Two or further down the pyramid. It seems like everything I've seen reaction-wise on social media has been basically deal with it, get on with it. Brewer and Kelty deserve a chance. And talking about the eligibility thing, Brewer released a statement earlier on this week to say, as far as they're concerned, there's no issue. So what's the holdup? I could kind of see when the original SPFL statement came out that they didn't have a a specific schedule for the end of League Two. So for me at that point, fair enough not to announce when the games would be played, but that's also not an excuse anymore because we know when League Two is going to end. We know when those matches are going to be taking place. There's no excuse at this point. There really isn't. I know you feel passionately about it. I've kind of been a little bit more reserved, but really at this stage, there's no excuse to not be announcing when these games are going to take place. And the fact that we're still wondering if they're going to take place is a farce. We were promised a decision on Monday. And like I said, the SPFL have said nothing. I approached the SPFL to ask them the question and they said there was nothing to report at the moment. Well, that's not good enough for me. That's just showing utter disrespect to both Broder Rangers and Kelty Hearts. They deserve better than that. And it just um, strengthens my belief that there isn't going to be a playoff. When the original SPFL press release came out saying they were going to discuss Broder and Kelty's eligibility for promotion, well, they're full SFA members already, which makes them qualified to be promoted. It was a ridiculous thing to say. The real issue is they, they take umbrage with 
the amount of games they've been played to be declared champions. That's my opinion. So just come out and say it. Uh, I, I just I feel really sorry for everyone at Broder and Kelly. I can't really add too much more to that because you've, you've summed it up spot on as far as I'm concerned. Like, fingers crossed things do go Brora and Kelty's way and they get that match played. But again, it's one of those we're just going to have to wait and see for the time being, unfortunately. It's all I can say without swearing and nobody wants to hear me swear. I don't want to have to bring out the censors when I'm editing this podcast, Will. Don't make me do that. I know. My mum listens to this podcast. So. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's all the incentive you need to keep it clean. Right. <laughs> Uh, talking about playing games, though, for Brewer and Calty, somebody who has played quite a lot of games for Clackney is Blair Laurie, who has, I believe, signed a new contract, which will also see him get a testimonial at Grant Street Park. And he wants to play Aberdeen, if uh, anyone at Clackney is listening. Yeah, you can read it in the uh, Inverness Courier and the Russia Journal today, because we put it in the Russia Journal because he's a dingwall man. Fantastic that one man has uh, dedicated his career to a club for so long. You don't see it that often nowadays. No, you don't, do you? Especially 15 years. Are you a one-man club, Hendo? That remains to be seen if I'm still at Highland News and Media in 15 years' time. Oh, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, fantastic for Blair. He, he, he's such an influence on Clark Nicodin as well. Um, great player in the midfield. And uh, it's great that he's been given a new contract. And hopefully this situation with the pandemic will improve that uh, he will get his testimonial in front of lots of fans. I think that's one thing he's really looking forward to. Uh, he's not, in, you know, he says they didn't play that many games, to be fair, during the pandemic. I think it was one Scottish Cup game and against the Caledonian Braves and uh, a league game against the Brewery Locos. Which, to be fair, they did have fans, actually. I was going to say they didn't play in front of fans, but it, it was tier one. one. numbers, but there yeah, were fans no. there. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good crowd for Clark anyway. Yeah, 300 fans. Um, but no, it's just great. And whoever he plays against, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic occasion, which uh, everyone at Markinch and Clark fans further afield will come out to support him. You've touched on the games that Clark did manage to play this last season. Nairn County's Callum Edney has also got a piece in the papers this week, just basically saying he's quite happy that they at least tried. Obviously hasn't worked out at all in the 2020-2021 campaign. Some teams didn't even play a single game, but he's quite happy that they gave it a go. One team that didn't play at all is Forest Mechanics, but they have confirmed they're going to be coming back next season, which I don't think is that much of a surprise, really, but still great to see confirmation that we're going to be back up to a full roster of Highland League teams next year. They were actually heavily criticised for deciding not to take part in the Highland League. Well, you'll remember it as much as I was. But, you know, in hindsight, you know, they got it right. It was a horrible time to play football. The season didn't start until November the 28th, and then the season was suspended on January the 12th. And even if the season was allowed to continue, it was a horrible winter. Games would have been cancelled week after week. Look at Cali Fissel. Look how many games. I think it was six weekends in a row they suffered postponements. But it's great to see Forest Mechanics are coming back because they are one of the big clubs in the Highland League. They get a good support. They've got a great history. And it'll be good to see the division up to a full complement again with a new tier six as well. Of course, there's so much to look forward to. And it feels like every week now we're seeing players signing new contracts in the Highland League. So we're really starting to gear up for the return of sport properly. 
uh, and hopefully as close to post-pandemic world as we can get by the time the end of the summer comes around. And we're seeing that in other sports as well, with restrictions easing this coming Monday. So much stuff is starting to come back and guidelines are being put out to explain how people can get back into action. I saw Cricket Scotland have given clubs permission to play friendlies again over the next week while before competition starts up. There's going to be the Tartan Pro Tour returning to Royal Darnock from Monday. And also Highland Boxing Academy are one of many clubs who are going to get back to training indoors for the first time in months. There's just so much to be excited about. Things are getting back to normal finally. (laughs) And they'll get even more normal as the weeks progress. The vaccine rollout is still working very well. Is it, Will? Is it really? Guess who got his appointment for a jag? (laughs) Smug. But yeah, it's going to take three weeks blocks, but we're probably looking at level zero by the end of June. And then even after that, restrictions will become more normal going into July and August, which will be great because it's been the most horrible at times. Well, some clubs have had to try and get a little bit creative to keep going over the last week. While I mentioned Highland Boxing Academy, they're one of those. They've been doing outdoor sessions, which to anybody who follows boxing must sound pretty strange to be doing boxing training outdoors. But even though they're going to be back inside from Monday, head coach Liam Foy still says they're going to be taking it relatively slowly and getting back into the full swing of things from next week. You know, everyone at the club will be dying to, to get back to competition boxing, and so am I. But it'll all just come down to where, where everybody's at once we get round to, even under-18s. I mean, there's under-18s. Under-18s can spar, basically, straight away. But there's not a chance any of them will, will be sparring until I've assessed them in the gym and got a real understanding of where they're at for fitness. So we won't be going back into immediate full contact anyway until such time that... I've seen where everyone's at, sort of physically, uh, in the gym, and got a better, better look at them indoors, and and more sort of sports-specific training indoors, and then then I'll have a, an idea. There'll be a there'll be a group of them that I'm sure will be ready to spar. I need to build them up as a sort of collective, so they're all ready at the same time, and then get going from there. I suppose this is the thing, isn't it? As clubs and sports start getting back to normal, we're going to have to be cautious that. A lot of people haven't done what they're used to doing for over a year. So maybe just a word warning to everyone. Don't try and jump straight back into the deep end. (laughs) Build yourself back into it and take it gradually because health comes first still, even with all these things happening. You could detect a bit of apprehension with Pauline as well, and understandably so, especially after the first lockdown and there was a lot of optimism of uh, where the country was going and then the second lockdown happened. But... At least we've got the vaccines um, this time around. So hopefully if there is a third wave, it won't have anywhere near as much of an impact because people will be ready for it. People will be able to deal with the, the virus if they do catch it and it won't have any serious effects. It's it just good for the athletes because it's got to have stunted their development as well, especially with boxers and um, the clubs that we speak to. Uh, they, they tend to just follow a path and it's no doubt that they've been diverted as a result of the pandemic. So it's going to take a lot of work for them to get back where they were, but there's no doubt and they'll have the enthusiasm to do that. Yeah, I think they are hoping to get back into national and international competition before the end of the year. But uh, when I was talking to Liam earlier on this week, he did sort of mention that there might not be as many boxers as they would have 
hoped for before the pandemic, taking part in those things, because it is just going to take that little bit of extra time to get everybody up to speed and get match fit again. So it's just going to take a bit of time, but at least we're getting there and the light is at the end of the tunnel. And the, the thing is, as long as there's, as there's coaches like Liam Foy, those boxers will get there. You know, he's so passionate about athletes reaching their full potential. So it's going to take time, but they will get there. Absolutely. And I was saying right very start of talking about Highland Boxing Academy, people have had to get quite creative. One of the things we've all become very used to over the last year is things like Zoom and doing interviews and conferences and just chatting with people online. If I go along to the Northern Scott first for my whip around of the other titles, which isn't the way I usually do it, Elkin City have been doing the exact same thing, even though they've been back at training after a uh, Shall we say disappointing result against Albion Rovers last weekend? They had uh, a bit of a, a breakdown of what went wrong on Zoom on Monday night, and it seemed to pay off as they got a draw against League Two champions now, and that's confirmed Queen's Park midweek. So there's a little bit in the Northern Scott today about how they went about that, how effective it was, and of course mentioned Forest coming back into the Highland League earlier. There's plenty of reaction to that. And then if I go up north to the John O'Groat Journal, there's some sad news up there about the death of Julie McGee. So there's a, a really sweet tribute actually to her on the back page from her family. She was a rugby player and among various other things, but I think that's why it's on the back page. It's worth reading if you knew Julie or, or you knew her work because it is some really nice stuff in there. Yeah, condolences from everyone uh, here as well to the family fantastic work that she did and uh, I'm sure she'll be sorely messed up in Caithness. I think well that pretty much wraps us up for the week it's not, not maybe the most positive note to end on but is there anything else that's caught your eye this week? Just a congratulations to uh, Mark Holmes who uh, runs a football academy in Inverness as well as Bewley and McGordon and Ghana. Um, it, <laughs> if anyone um, doesn't know his story please um, google his name on our website and uh, Find all about buy a paper and read all about it. But this week, um, he's um, actually managed to hire some coaches to help uh, increase the number of kids get involved in football across the Highlands. We're talking people like uh, Brian Irvin and uh, Richard Hart uh, has joined, as well as um, a number of other coaches as well, um, such as uh, Sean Kerr, Exeter County. Uh, and uh, Carly Kirkpatrick, who's with Clark the Cudden Women. The entire list in the story, go and buy the paper, because <laughs> there's quite a few, number of new coaches that have joined. But it's some recruitment drive. It's some recruitment drive, but Mark Holmes is really passionate about um, getting young people into football as well. I've known him for quite a few years now, great guy. So go, go and read his story. And if you've got any kids, get in touch with him to get involved with football. He does a fantastic job, gets a great story. It's great to see he's got so experienced coaches working alongside him. So find out more in the Inverness Courier today. There you go. Buy a paper, support local journalism. And if you do that, you'll even be able to see the fairly slick new kit that Mark Holmes has got for his academy as well. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> I want to make one myself, actually. I think that's all we have then for this week on Balls and Whistles. If you want to get in touch with us and ask questions or leave comments or whatever, you can find us on Twitter at balls underscore whistles, or you can email us at balls and whistles at hnmedia.co.uk. Will mentioned health and liftness earlier. We talked about it last week as well. It's officially out there, so go and find that wherever you get your podcasts or even just 
find it on the Inverness Courier website because it's there as well. We'll be back next week and hopefully we'll be talking about some success in terms of good news for Brora. God, I hope so. And a win for Cali Thistle. We'll be previewing Ross County's game against Dundee United. Come back for that next week. In the meantime, have a good weekend and thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, folks.